Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property. I'm Peter Switzer. On tonight's show, we wonder if our economy is in recession, how come someone was happy to spend $95 million on a Sydney property? And it was a house that once was owned by a very famous entertainment Aussie who sold the place for $5 million in the 1980s to the owners of Katie's. Sotheby's real estate agent, Michael Pallier, tells us all about it. And then there are calls for real estate to be declared an essential service in Victoria. We find out why. But let's start with what's happening to property prices right now with that 24-7 watcher of real estate, the founder of SQM Research, Louis Christopher, who will tell us why and how prices can jump or fall in the future. Well, a lot of people are thinking uh, that a doomsday scenario is heading towards property, uh, particularly if we get through this year okay because of JobKeeper and JobSeeker and all those sorts of support measures and also the banks being very charitable. Uh, in 2021, that might change. A guy who have a very strong perspective on this is Louis Christopher, the founder of SQM Research. He joins me on the program. Hi, Louis. G'day there, Peter. Nice to be with you. Same here, mate. Now, I read some stuff uh, last week from you, and it does seem that you're not, you're not you know, saying everything's going to be rosy in 2021. There could be some problems for the, for the property sector. So why don't you talk us through your scenarios, your expected scenarios? No worries, Peter. Look, first and foremost, I've got to say, it's, it's downright challenging just working out what's going on in the housing market right now. It really is. There's, there's quite a, a number of conflicting indexes out there uh, and telling us different things about the market. And I think overall, as we speak right now, it is clearly a mixed market. Some markets doing a little bit better than expected, but we still don't really know the immediate future for them. Um, we do know 100% that in the June quarter, housing prices fell. No question about that. That was absolutely confirmed by the ABS very recently. Uh, prices fell across the country by 1.8% in the quarter. They fell by 2.3% in Melbourne just for the June quarter and fell by 2.2% in Sydney. Now, looking at our asking prices index for the September quarter, we're near, near completion of the September quarter as well. It's fair to say that we believe their prices fell again in the September quarter mm. and they fell for most cities. So we're, we're, we're pretty sure about that. Now, going forward in terms of answering your questions, when we look at the Sydney housing market and I look at auction clearance rates right now, it's suggesting the market is actually picking up a little in Sydney. Confidence has been better than naturally expected, but I feel like we're, we're not out of the woods yet and, and there are some real hurdles out there which normally would hit the housing market very hard let's not forget right now the international border remains closed so normally we, we get like in 2019 we had net migration of 240,000 people that really represents normally a, a massive wave of underlying demand each and every year that's new underlying demand this year no matter what we are completing 170,000 dwellings and that is additional surplus in the marketplace yep. which we do not have the migration to actually absorb up so there's going to be surplus dwellings in our view on top of that 
Um, of course, we've still got very high unemployment, but fortunately, JobKeeper and JobSeeker have helped stop the hole that that will create in the economy. But this is what we do know, is that we're going to see a phasing out of JobSeeker and JobKeeper. Uh, and that and job seeker, as I understand, it's starting to be phased out at the end of this month. So it, it's coming. Mm. Uh, so we've got issues there. And then, of course, we've got issues in the sense of what are the banks going to do with all their loan deferrals? What are they going to do, Peter? I mean, look, it, it's a real question that needs to be addressed by the banks. And I guess you there the Airbnb effect, Louis, that lots of apartments that used to be taken up by foreign tourists or foreign students now have been thrown onto the, the longer term uh, rental market and that must depress house prices as well. Well, it, it certainly affected rental vacancy rates uh, in the first half of this year and we've seen rental vacancies in Sydney CBD at one stage hit 16%. They've come back a little bit now, they're still at 13%. Uh, Melbourne CBD rents are at 10%. Brisbane CBD, sorry, Melbourne CBD vacancy rates are at 10%. Brisbane CBD vacancy rates are about that level as well. Hmm. But following up, what we've also seen is regional rental vacancy rates absolutely plummet. So there's been a movement out of the cities into regional Australia, supposedly to get away from the virus. Um, so that's been going on. So there's, there's been that shift that's been occurring. Yeah. No question about that. So that's affected the Airbnb properties. But I've got to say of late, we've been seeing a little bit more uptake of the Airbnb properties, particularly in northern New South Wales and in Queensland by locals. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I guess, look, the bottom line is um, there would be uh, even internal um, tourism going on. I know uh, a friend of mine's got a place in the Blue Mountains Airbnb booked out all the time. And, and probably some of those Sydney apartments have even been taken up by country people who are coming to the city for a holiday. Well, well, that may well be happening too, Peter, but yeah. let's just keep, keep in mind, if you, were, or if you are a CBD uh, property investor holding, say, a two-bedroom unit, your rent has fallen, mm. or the market rent's fallen for that type of property from about $990 a week pre-coronavirus to now about $690 a week. Yeah, staggering, staggering. Uh, and that, that, that just that smashes up not just your rental income, but the actual value of that property. Now, Louis, um, if we factor in the challenges that this um, market's got, it, it kind of, listening to you, and I, I do tend to think in graphs, being an economist, that it's, it's highly likely then over 2021, we might see national house prices going sideways to slightly down. You know, like we often find that with the Sydney house price market goes up and then it goes sideways for for four or five years and it goes up again. This seems like we're more likely to be in that kind of a phase where prices are sort of trending down, but not trending down dramatically. Is that a fair call or is that too optimistic call? That's a fair call. I think all the stimulus measures have helped stop a housing crash. Hmm. Uh, on the outset of this crisis, we had a scenario that we placed out there. We didn't say it was our main case scenario, but we could see a scenario playing out where the market could come off in Sydney and Melbourne by up to 30%. Hmm. But government initiatives have stopped that scenario from fully playing out. Prices are definitely falling in our CBDs, there's no, in, our, in our two main cities, there's no question about that. 
But that more darker scenario seems as though it's been averted for now. But we, we're still going to watch out what happens when we see the full phase out of JobKeeper, JobSeeker, and we see the banks starting to call in loans. Okay. We, that, we, that's still, that you know, if, if that's not well managed, Peter, yeah. we could see this darker scenario still play out. On the other hand, there is actually another scenario that could play out, and, and that is a more bullish scenario. And that more bullish scenario is one where you actually see the market start to um, turn around very quickly to the positive as a result of net migration, like the international borders being opened up, careful management of uh, job keeper and job seeker, uh, as, as well as interest rates staying very, very low. So there is still a scenario that could actually play out here in 2021 where the market becomes very positive mm. based on all that stimulus and ongoing very low interest rates plus the international border opening up. Yeah, so in many ways, Louis, I know I've argued on an economics front, a vaccine could be a big game changer, particularly if it comes by the end of the year and we, we, we start seeing 2021 um, start off with open borders, international travel starts in March or April rather than June or July and all those sorts of things. There could be a turnaround in sentiment, couldn't it? Very much so, there could be. Uh, so that is a scenario that's also on the table. Mm. But in all this, it's, it's extraordinarily difficult to predict what's going to happen, Peter. Yeah. I think anyone that says they know for sure what's going to happen are fooling themselves. Yeah. Um, much, very much still depends on what coronavirus does and importantly, how governments respond to coronavirus going yeah. forward. Let's go to the two states that have bordered themselves up and uh, WA and Queensland. Uh, are they showing any sort of property price positivity because of that? No, uh, at this point in time, we can safely say that housing prices in Brisbane are falling modestly, not, 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 not a crash by any means, and in Perth, prices are still falling as we speak. That said, though, when we look at the rental front, particularly for Perth, we're actually now recording a rental vacancy rate in Perth of just 1.1%. Hoo-ha. Now, let's just remember two years ago, that number was closer to 6%. Uh, so on the rental market, it's telling us that there's more activity occurring in the in the Perth economy, and sooner or later, that is going to feed into high dwelling prices. What do you think is going to be the impact of investors because of the coronavirus? I would have thought a lot of investors would be saying to themselves, "You know, this has become far too hard. Um, I, I'm going to sell my property, just get out of this." Do you think that's likely, Louis, or, or do you think they'll tough it out? No, it, it, it's a good question, uh, Peter. I think so far they've been toughing it out. There hasn't been too many forced sales out there. There hasn't been too many investors who want, who are really wanting to sell in this market. Let, let's face it, it's hardly a seller's market right now. Yeah. Uh, so I think that they, they are holding off, hoping for better days. But the problem with that is they still risk a scenario where there's, there is a rapid increase in forced sales activity driving the market down. Uh, and look, what I've, what I've known for many years now, Peter, is that property investors are generally momentum investors. They like to buy when the market's going up and they like to sell when the market's going down. They mm. generally get their timing pretty, pretty off. Uh, mm. So 
Uh, yeah, very interesting days. And ultimately, it, it does boil down to each individual's personal financial circumstances. Louis Christopher, thanks for joining us. Nice to be with you. Well, this week we wanted to catch up with a well-known real estate agent in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, Michael Pallier, who works for Sotheby's Real Estate. We want to focus on some of the properties they're selling right now. But before we do that, I'd just like to see what he's feeling about the market. Peter, we've never seen the market better than it is now. It's the best we've ever seen it. And it's quite surprising because at the start of the year we met with everyone in our office and we said be prepared for what we think will be the worst year on record for us because we were worried. We saw what was happening in China with the lockdowns and all that kind of thing. And we thought it's only a matter of time the virus will come here. But it seems like the government in New South Wales have handled this incredibly well. I don't know how they've done it because business seems to be operating in a fairly normal way as much as possible. And business is uh, doing well for a lot of people in a pandemic, which I find incredible. Well, my first question to you was really going to be, I know um, top-notch real estate agents like yourself go to lots of conferences and courses and you read and stuff like that, but have you ever studied Pandemic 101 for real estate agents? <laughs> Peter, you know, I didn't even know what a pandemic was <laughs> until the start of this year. So yeah. it's just been a massive learning curve for everyone involved, I think. Yeah. Now, Michael, let's go back to the GFC. What was it like in the eastern suburbs where you operate in Sydney? What was that like? Well, to, uh, this month is the 23rd year that I've been in real estate. So I've gone through this for 23 years in the same area. Uh, the GFC was the hardest time that I ever went through. For three years, it was really difficult. It was hard to get properties sold. The very high uh, price properties were hard to sell. People, you know, a lot of people were in financial difficulty. This time around, it's very strange because it seems like there are so many buyers that can afford these expensive homes at the moment. And what's really made it interesting is that people are not traveling. So they're putting an emphasis on a home, staying at home and upgrading their home if they can afford it. So the focus has really been on buying homes. And so for us, it's better than it's ever been. It's totally different to the GFC. So you're saying that the, the person who was distracted by the joys of international travel each year now are focused on where they live now and they're upgrading. Yeah, I absolutely believe that people's focus has um, turned to where they live and the lifestyle. So we also sell country properties. So we sell properties in Barrel and Berry, And um, we found that that market has also been the strongest that we've ever seen it. We've never seen sales like it there. They're breaking records all the time. And there's been a lot of people that just want to get out of the city and go to these uh, country properties also. So in general, yes, any lifestyle property or nice property is in high demand right now. Mm. So tell us about some of the, uh, the interesting properties that you've uh, either selling now or you've sold recently. Uh, yes. Uh, well, most recently, last week, I was fortunate enough to sell a house in Point Piper for $95 million. Oh, and uh, that, yeah, that was... $95 that was million. All right. In $95 million it sold for. It was 1,800 square metres of land um, in the best position in Woolsey Road, Point Piper, on the waterfront mm -hmm. with an older style uh, two apartments on there, but very beautiful. 
And yeah, that I sold that without any advertising. That went for 95 million. And that was a great sale. But then it was a once in a generation property for someone to secure. Yeah. So the current owners have been there since 1985. They bought the property in 1985 for $5 million and they've now sold it for $95 million. So that's a great return on investment. Was there any history associated with the property? Ah, uh, yes. The home was built originally by Michael Edgley. Do you remember Michael most Edgley, definitely. the promoter? Yeah, most definitely. Moscow Circus on Ice and all those kind yeah. of things. So Michael Edgley bought the property uh, back, I think, around 1980. He then uh, was in the process of rebuilding the property and then, I think, had to sell the property mm. and... Uh, the current owners bought the property from they bought it it went to auction they bought it before auction for five million dollars mm -hmm. from uh michael edgley and then they converted what was going to be one house into two whole floor apartments mm -hmm. and uh, two business partners actually it's a great story and they were business partners i think for about 50 or 60 years and they worked together and effectively lived together mm -hmm. in uh, separate apartments but in the same um same on the same land yeah. and now, one of the uh, business partners has passed away. He was 90 years old. Mm. The other business partner's in his very late 80s with his wife. Mm. And they just, the two families decided it was the time to sell. And there was a buyer that wanted to buy it. So we did a deal. Great story. Now, there's another, another property you want to talk about as well? I'm selling another property in Vaucluz Road that goes to auction in uh, just over a week's time. So that's a home at 42 Vaucluz Road, Vaucluz. It was owned by a businessman from Japan who I think only came here about three times. He bought it the property from us seven years ago for $11.3 million. He was in his 80s, so he's now passed away. Um, I flew to Japan last December to see the family because they called me and said that their father had passed away. So the next day I was in their office in Japan with them, with my PA Mary. We just jumped on a plane and flew straight over to Japan to see them. Mm. And they gave us the go ahead to sell the property, but because he's a non-resident, um, it was very complicated and it had to go to the Supreme Court for um, approval for the property to be sold. And we've only just got the approval now. So it took about nine months to get the approval mm. and we put the property on the market for sale. And there is very strong interest in it and it's going to auction um, this Saturday week. What kind of price point do you think? Oh, it's more than they paid for it seven years ago. So they paid 11.3 million. Uh, we don't know exactly how much more, but we'll find out on the day. But Mark says it'll be, I don't know, quite substantially higher than he paid for it seven years ago. In yeah. fact, he had a Lexus car in the garage that he bought new at the time. The tires had gone flat. The battery had gone flat. It virtually had no kilometers on it. And we had to sell the car also. So, yeah, it was quite, it's amazing. I just find it amazing that people can have these sort of properties and lifestyle and just, they don't use it. It's just incredible. Yeah. The, the, the lives of the rich and famous, or not so famous, but still a very interesting story. Now, Michael, what's the supply of property on the markets? Because, you know, last year, before we even started talking about the coronavirus, the complaints from your fraternity was there isn't enough supply. What's the supply like now? Yeah, Peter, I think the supply is even less than it was last year. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is it's the lowest stock levels in the last 40 years. And I think I've got a little bit of a theory on this. I think a lot of people are not moving because of the virus. They want to stay where they are and 
they don't want to expose themselves to the virus, particularly if they're older. And then I think there are quite a few people who are on this bank holiday. You know, the bank gave people a holiday yes. to um, they don't have to pay their loans back and all that for a while. So I think there's quite a few people on that bank holiday. And what I've been told is once you're on that bank holiday, forget about trying to refinance or get a new house because the bank won't want to know you. So I think there's a whole lot of people that are treading water on that bank holiday and not moving. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. So, Michael, one mm. last thing. What do you think is going to happen in 2021 when maybe some of this government support starts to be you know, phased right out? Do you, do you suspect... A that? lot of people have been talking... A lot of people have been talking about that. They're saying, you know, maybe after March, the market might come off the boil and all that kind of thing. And I think it will definitely have an impact because, I mean, the government can't keep giving this money out forever. And I'm very conscious that there are a lot of people that are doing it very tough right now. And I really feel for those people. I think I can't see the market going up because for the reasons that we mentioned. But the thing is, I could see it going sideways. Because what I can see is that the governments all around the world appear to be printing a lot of money at the moment. Yeah. So effectively, it's devaluing the, the value of money. And people are prone to be buying properties because it's a safe place to put your money. They think the stock market's volatile. Um, I have a client that I just sold a property for who's 91 years old. And I was talking to this, this about, about this to her the other day. And she said, you know, it's right. You know, she said they are printing more money. And I said, how do you know that? And she said, well, every time I go to the ATM machine, the notes are brand new. So I thought that was pretty good logic <laughs> for a 91-year-old person that's been around for a long time. Yeah, that's for sure. And I guess only a 91-year-old is going to the ATMs nowadays. Mate, uh, Michael. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's a yeah. very good point. Michael, thanks for joining us in the program. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, thanks so much. Well, in unusual times, you come up with unusual ideas. And uh, James Kirkland from Upside Realty uh, is arguing that real estate should actually become an essential service, especially in Victoria. James, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show, Peter. Pleasure, mate. Tell us about Upside Realty. Yeah, Upside Realty is a, a real estate agency. Uh, we have uh, real estate agents across four states in Australia. Um, and it's a full service. Uh, we, we're listing and selling properties, uh, but what underpins everything we do is technology, both for the vendor, the buyer, and of course the agent who works remotely, interestingly enough in these times, um, but also we're a flat fee model. So the, the vendors know exactly what they'll pay from the outset. Okay. Now you're based in Sydney, but you, you're arguing the case that uh, in Victoria, real estate should be treated as an essential service. What's your argument? Yeah, so I am in, in Sydney. I'm lucky enough to be in Sydney where HQ is, but we've got um, a network of agents, um, 16 agents in Melbourne right now who really cannot do anything. Their, their hands are tied behind their backs. It's very distressing. And the distressing part about it is more, more so from the client's perspective. Many people are in financial stress. They've either bought and they need to sell or they've sold and they need to buy. And for that matter, even if they need a rental property, they're unable, simply unable to do it. So it's, it's becoming a matter of uh, a human right of shelter. Um, so yeah, we, we, are, we certainly are arguing that it is a, an essential service um, and you know that, that energy is building up every day. 
Okay, so if it was declared an essential service, and of course it seems like it wouldn't be an, an easy road to hoe, but let's say it was, yep. what would that mean? What would that mean for the real estate agent and also his, his or her customers? Yeah, I mean, it's, to us it's critical um, and we're hearing all those stories. What it would mean is that we were able to operate under pretty strict um, restrictions anyway, which we were operating in before the stage four lockdowns happened in Melbourne, where we, it's it's one-on-one -on -one, um, with the agent, it's private inspections, it's very strict uh, COVID policies where it's masks, gloves, social distancing, of course. Um, and really, I mean, the real estate industry has been set up for case tracing ever you know, for the last two decades names, phone numbers, email addresses, it's easy to trace um, any community, you know, trans transition. So I, I think we're, we're able to do it on the 28th of September, uh, construction manufacturing opened back up in Melbourne. And we believe mm. that real estate should, should align with that. And so for people outside of Victoria, the, the bottom line is this, if your um, sector is the, described as an essential service, you effectively can go to work. You can go beyond the 5K limit from your, your home. What, what else goes with being an essential service business? Yeah, I mean, that's, to be honest, that's kind of it. Like all we need to do yeah. is be able to go into a property um, and you know, do a proper face-to-face -face appraisal with a, with a vendor who, you know, they're, they're wanting that right now. All of our clients, you know, speaking to all of our agents that there's a need for that. Um, you know, it's important for pricing that we're able to do that. And it's just as important for a photographer to come through and take the photos. So outside of that, what we're, what we're saying is we can do one-on-one -on -one inspections and then we can operate. And importantly, you know, our clients can start to get a roof over their head. Yeah, I would have figured that the, the Victorian Real Estate Institute would have been arguing that case as well. What is the government saying to real estate agents? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. You know, and, and to your point, Peter, you know, um, the REIV have been very vocal about this, same with some of the, you know, the, the, the bigger bodies um, and also the big franchises. I mean, we're all in the same boat in terms of uh, as an industry and we're all saying the same thing. So it's not something that we're saying, the whole industry in Victoria is saying, and it's it's critical. Mm. James, what is the, 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 the inclination to sell properties right now like are, are victorians uh do they have a, a a a large bank of potential properties that could be up for sale um and it's being held back because of the restrictions and, and on the other side are there a lot of buyers who would be interested to buy those properties yes good question so right now i mean let's put some data behind this it, it's pretty obvious that this pent-up um energy of listings ready to hit the market is substantial. So right now in Melbourne, 77% um, of properties, when we compare year on year, uh, we're, we're down 77%. And that equates to 4,600 properties in the last 28 days that haven't come to market year on year. So we're seeing it you know, anecdotally through our um, clients that are saying, we need to sell, we're under financial stress, or we've bought and we need to sell. But then the data supports that and saying we're almost 5,000 just in the last month, let alone what happened before. So it's, um, it's substantial. Now, to your point around your buyer demand, without doubt, it's the same situation for a lot. My fear, and I'm sure everyone's fear, 
when you're talking about the property market is when it when um, the equilibrium of buyer and or demand and supply goes too far one way and i think that that right now as we're holding back is going to get that pent up the amount of properties come to market it's going to be substantial so mm. we're mm. waiting to see what, what what is the legal position for someone who say for example did sell in mid-june and then um was caught out by the fact that the coronavirus restrictions were, were put in place. It, would, it actually even mean that the buyer, if the buyer was outside the five kilometre area, they couldn't have actually move into the house, could they? No, they couldn't. So, I mean, right now we can settle. So that's, that's the interesting part to this is that, so if I can settle my property that I sold back in the window where we had, we were open, right? So I can settle it and then yep. there's exemptions around that. But it doesn't mean I can go find a rental property or purchase something. So that that leaves mm. people in a pretty bad situation. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean it's it's certainly challenging at the moment. But you know the um, yeah the stage four lockdowns is is really restricting us. You know by every yeah. stretch of the imagination. And I, I guess the, the the decision to allow regions to reduce their restrictions would have made life a bit better for any of your agents in regional areas. Absolutely, yeah, it has. And, and you know, it makes sense. I think uh, yesterday it was where they opened up. You can do outdoor auctions. We've seen the cafes open up this morning. Um, so, yeah, you know, things are starting to get back on track in the regional areas. And, you know, we, we've seen a, a huge increase in inquiries in regional areas across our whole network, but particularly in Victoria. Um, you know, looking at, at the whole company, we've seen an increase of 105% of just inquiries of regional properties pre-COVID, during COVID. So th people are starting to rethink, you know, what their living conditions are, whether it be lifestyle, housing affordability, et cetera. Mm. So it's, uh, it's a fundamental shift that we're seeing yeah. and that's all obviously driven by change in working conditions, working from home, et cetera. Yeah. So I guess what you're implying also is that anyone who owns a property in the regions could find the value of their properties going up in the next few years? Well, we're seeing that right now. I mean, demand is, is, is uh, greater than ever. Uh, here's a good example for you, Peter. The Southern Highlands, beautiful, you know, about an hour and a half out of the city. We've got uh, two, you know, two agents there. And the last five properties that are sold in that area, four of those have come from Sydney siders that are moving for housing affordability and want a larger property because of the change in working conditions. So, yeah. you know, that is going to have you know, a positive impact on some of the regional areas across all of Australia, not just Sydney or Melbourne, for sure. Okay, James, thanks for joining us. Pleasure.